Hello, welcome to Sharp Angles Podcast. I'm Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Rich Rebar. Rich, here we go. We're uh, settling into draft season here, about two two or so weeks away. Um, we already, last week, we talked about uh, some quarterbacks. Today, we're jumping into wide receivers, uh, some tight ends, just get some pass catchers going in here. So before we get to that, how are we doing today? Uh, doing real good. Yeah, you know, we are closing in. We're about a little over two weeks away from the NFL draft. We're starting to get into like that hodgepodge of like every team is going to take every player uh, like right now. Oh, so. oh, we're in we're in prime take territory here. Just oh, yeah. like going off of Twitter this morning. We are we're there. Yeah, 100 percent. We're definitely in the, the heart of darkness when it comes to, you know, what to believe or what not to believe or believe nothing, actually. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much where you got to be. Yeah, we have Hendon Hooker's going to be the best quarterback uh, in in the league uh, apparently, as we you know sit here. So yeah, take takes are flying. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot going on. So we'll we'll try to get through what whatever that is because man, um, I'm tr- trying to like have any any type of draft take at this point is just. Yeah, Ryan McChrystal does a good job on the website of doing like a news and notes, like what's actionable and kind of what to take away from what's noise, uh, if you follow that on the site. But other than that, like, I also just kind of block a lot of it out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's yeah, anything that's, you know, going to happen, uh, or we're we're hearing rumors of what was the Schefter tweet yesterday that like seven teams have asked the Cardinals about what to about the third overall pick. It's like, okay, like, sure. (laughs) Like even 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 if you're not thinking about trading up, like yeah, sure, honestly, call the 30, Cardinals and see teams, what it's going to be. Yeah, yeah, call and ask. Sure, like <laughs> is that news? I I don't know, um, but yeah, I'd I'd check in to see what the third pick is. Yeah, sure, I would too. Yeah, uh, they give me the asking price, and I go, man, no, probably not. Um, so but so there, yeah, we, we're gonna have a lot of that going in, in through the next, you know. A couple of weeks so we're yeah. gonna try to ignore a, a little bit of that as we kind of you know get into these prospects and just kind of how we're feeling about these guys you know what they they could add to a team before we get into that because we are talking about wide receivers um the the news that's kind of happened is the you know the Odell Beckham mm-hmm. signing with the Ravens uh, I think that kind of goes hand in hand with this wide receiver class a little bit, because once we get into these guys, there's not a lot going on at the top of the draft. Like there's no clear wide receiver one who's going to be like the best wide receiver on a team. There's like Um, no Jamar chase level prospect. Right. Um, You know, and, and we've kind of gotten into a point where, you know, we don't know, like Justin Jefferson was not a Jamar chase level, uh, you know, prospect when you know he was in the draft so it's you know the hit and miss a, a little bit over there over you know what these guys are projected to be but there's no one going to be drafted in that range right there's not even you know a chase and waddle where you know a top 10 picks we're probably not going to have that type of investment uh, in these wide receivers although it is a decent group but before we get into you know the, the wide receivers the the news here and i think kind of goes hand in hand is the odell beckham signing in baltimore to where, you know, we have these guys, there's not going to be, you know, as projected right now, you know, one of those wide receiver one type guys. 
Um, right. There's just not going to be a guy that, you know, even projected to go into top 10. So if you're a team like the Ravens right now, who's, you know, we've kind of talked about them a little bit, they're kind of in the back end of the first round where there's a couple of teams that, you know, could use a wide receiver. So if you're looking for an immediate impact, it, it's possible that you have Odell Beckham could kind of give that more than someone you would potentially draft in, in the back end of the first round. Obviously we don't really know what Odell Beckham is at this point, obviously a third, um, you know, a 30 year old wide receiver coming off, uh, you know, his second ACL tear. But the last time we saw Odell Beckham on the fields, there was a Super Bowl game plan built around getting him the ball because mm-hmm. of the attention the Rams thought Cooper Cup was going to get and they were right so the passing game plan was built around Odell Beckham and if he doesn't get hurt in the Super Bowl like he's probably in the lead to win MVP of that game um so uh, of course a, a lot of different scenarios is going to be the Rams that 2021 Rams passing game can be a little different than the Ravens but again <laughs> you know we have uh, Todd Munkin now uh, you have, you know, Rashad Bateman as, you know, you know, the, the one, a one B with Beckham that becomes a, a fun type of, of passing game uh, that could potentially, you know, open up some things that one too is definitely, you know, the best that Lamar Jackson will have. And I think we're, we're maybe it's like, no, <laughs> <laughs> right. So we're, I mean, I think we, we can kind of assume think, like it always kind of looked like as much as we wanted to, you know, or project where Lamar Jackson could go or, you know, whether he was going to get traded, what teams should be interested, which is a lot of them. Um, the likely scenario was always that he was going to be back with Baltimore. Um, and so we have, you know, it was reported he was heavily involved in the recruitment of Beckham. Uh, we had the, you know, the FaceTime screenshots uh, coming up on Instagram between the two of them. So it seems like there is, you know, a little more synergy there uh, and, and hence for Mark coming back. So it's super interesting with like what the reported deal was. It was when it was first reported, it was one year up to 18 million. And when you have the up to like when that first was reported, it's like, Oh, that up to is doing a lot of, a lot of heavy lifting here. But then that wasn't the case. Like it's $15 million guaranteed. Of course, and but when once you saw the signing bonus, it's like oh they're going to void year the crap out of that, and, and they did. So Beckham's only like three million dollars on the cap this year because it's like a thirteen million dollar um, signing bonus that's sp- going to be spread out over you know five years. Um, so it, hey, that's and- the that's the new thing this year, man. Uh, we saw Kirk Cousins, uh, Tyler Higby did it. Like it's like a that's that's the move now this year. Yeah, especially when you you know you need that immediate cap space uh but you only are signing for one year and i think that in in a sense it, it makes a lot of sense for what the, the ravens want to do because you want to get that type of you know monetary investment in beckham um but you also don't want to tie up the salary cap that would make it harder to match any potential you know lamar jackson offer sheet if you're still in that type of territory so getting beckham uh, that type of money that he was looking for, but also not have it be a, a big, you know, commitment on the cap. I think it, it probably is, is a win for both sides. 
Yeah, Odell said an interesting. I don't think it should preclude Baltimore for also pursuing, you know, more, sure. <laughs> more wide receivers either, especially because, you know, Odell's age only being the one year contract, you know, you still are going to want, especially if you're going to extend Lamar, we're going to need some rookie contracts uh, now because we've, we've, we've ruined the grace period of not getting any weaponry that was cheap around him. Uh, so yeah, this shouldn't preclude him. Plus when you, especially when you add Bateman as already openly, you know, diss the GM, uh, it hasn't been healthy kind of his first two years either. Like, is he completely the answer to you? I think we're both so optimists on Rashad Bateman, but from a team organization stance, like they still want to, I believe, add playmakers on this offense. They should still want to look at drafting wide receivers too. Is there a guy in this class when they're picking that's available that they love? Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. But uh, yeah, it's at least a step in the right direction. I mean, everyone knew coming into last season, what the Ravens had and they didn't address it. We talked about it on this podcast a couple times. And then in the season it was like, well, yeah, this is what happened. Uh, so at least they're trying to put more ammunition in the chamber heading into the season than they did last year, where there was really no effort put forth at this time. Yeah. And it's one of those things. It just kind of makes it less of an immediate need, which I, I think is, is good. And, and they could now maybe still even drafting a wide receiver doesn't have to be in that back end of the first round. Now it could be, you know, a, a day two where, you know, this sweet spot for, for some of these. Oh, their history, their history on day two and day three, draft the wide receivers. Yeah. Their, their history in general, not great, but hopefully maybe that, that'll turn around a little bit. So let's dive into this class um, because it, it is interesting. And again, there's not, you know, that, that top, uh, type of guy who's going to be, you know, the the day one starter as, as an X on the outside, and you're going to, you know, run the the offense through. It, it doesn't seem like there is going to be that guy. There's, there's some guys who, you know, could, you know, fill some good roles, but, um, you know, that that high caliber, you know, top of, you know, top five, top ten, it, it is just not going to be there. Um, the guy who has been the wide receiver one uh, on most boards, and if you're looking at, you know, grinding the mocks, has, you know. It being the, the wide receiver one, uh, mocked first is uh, Jackson Smith Juba from Ohio State. And he is one of the more interesting cases because there, there's a lot of things in this profile, right? He was great in 2021. It doesn't play at all in 2022. He kind of led in offense in 2021 that also had Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, who were first round picks. Um, ended up one of them was offensive rookie of the year you could have made a case the other one could have been offensive rookie of the year um so you have all of that you kind of have what smith and jigba is in that offense which was a guy who played 86 percent of his snaps in the slot so almost exclusively a slot player but also that was kind of because of wilson and olave right it's not i think smith and jigba is he is a slot player but i'd like he's not a slot only player, right? Like he has traits. I think that can win on the outside. He just didn't need to. And again, this kind of goes back to the CJ Stroud conversation we had where it's like, he didn't need to go on the outside because of what Ohio state had on offense, but I don't think we should count that against him. So there's also the, the speed element where, you know, he's not a fast straight line guy, um, but you know, at his pro day was like, what a four five, three, which is, is fine. Right. I think like the way people were talking about Smith, 
Smith and Jigba like going into the combine and everything was that he was going to run like a four six or like a Keenan Allen four seven or something. Um, and that's just not the case. And then he did the agility drills, which were you know top uh, top marks there, where he was uh, incredible in change of direction, and that shows up on the field too so if you have someone like that who's a good route runner um can change direction like that like there were some like jarvis landry comps people were trying to throw out like before the combine and jarvis landry was just like a, a bad athlete um who kind of had to have that shallow a dot slot role uh because of that and that's not jsn it's they're two very different uh types of players and especially athletically so um I think there, there's a lot to like here. I think he'd be my wide receiver one. Um, so when you were diving into this, because I know you like you've done all, all the the models and and breaking down kind of what this production is. Um, you know, what are your feelings on, on JSN? Yeah, I think he's clear the the clear wide receiver one in this class. Uh, I agree with you. I think he's he he can play outside and he can get vertical. I think he is more suited to play like that 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 inside role and like you can do it like you know I hate to just label everything like the Cooper Cup role, but like Cooper Cup plays a lot of slot like gets vertical targets, right? Yeah, like it's vertical targets uh, out of the slot, so he can win that way. I think he's made to play inside, but can get ver- you know play vertical slot as well. I think the floor is probably someone like Amon Ross St. Brown, like right, like. Uh, that's probably the floor you're getting. And then the ceiling you're getting is potentially, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, someone maybe like a, like a Cooper Cupish type player. I mean, he was a, he was a five-star recruit too. Like this dude was like, he, he didn't just like come out of nowhere. Obviously Ohio right. state is, is plucking these wide receivers are like out of like the, the ultimate wide receiver tree right now. And, you know, you look at Marvin Harrison and him coming up next year and we'll, end up talking about him next year but uh yeah so smith and jigba like all it does is he just takes a little bit of a projection uh for how much outside he'll actually play i mean he ran 15 total pass routes uh you know with two or fewer wide receivers on the field at Ohio State because that's the system he was in right? right uh you know he had 15 catches that weren't didn't come out of the slot in his, his college career he wasn't a big touchdown guy in this class and i don't know if that would have happened this year uh, especially with marvin harrison on the team that's like we're only the, really the only knock in production his profile is that he just wasn't like a huge like touchdown rate guy but again small sample stuff uh he would be definitely the the top guy i don't think i think he's in the more like don't overthink it guy he may not be like jamar chase but I think he's got a really high floor paired with still a high ceiling. If you can get him in the right offense and right role where you can get some of those vertical targets. Um, Cause to be the Amon Ra plus, right. Cause that's all we're missing with like a guy like Amon Ra is like people always comp him to Cooper cup, but he hasn't, he hasn't gotten the vertical targets yet. Like through two years in the NFL, like we can get that. Like we believe he's still capable of it, but he just hasn't got him yet. Uh, and that, that's what we want to just see happen. The offense, give him those vertical options. Right. And that's probably going to, come down to what offense he's yeah. put in because i think amandra st brown probably could do it but yeah you know being that piece in the jared goff yep uh you know <laughs> lions offense which which is it works and that's why it worked so well and again he was still what sixth in you know receiving yards like amandra st brown was still very good uh last year and that role was a very productive one um and yeah i think you can put jackson smith and jigba like right in that type of role. Um, if that's it also should be a knock, right? Like I don't want anyone to like bristle right. and say like that's like a slight, especially in today's NFL where we've talked about last week with the quarterbacks how defenses have changed. Like nobody's blitzing, not less man-to-man coverage, a lot of zone, a lot of shallow A dot stuff in general, even for good wide receivers, right? 
so like don't treat that as a knock like if if we're saying like bring up guys like I'm say Brown and Keenan Allen like don't say like oh well I'm not drafting those are good face, receivers like, yeah, those are absolutely. really good receivers <laughs> absolutely. um and I, yeah so there's like there is the, the long speed part of it but there's you know there's not a position I care less about for the 40 than wide receiver because it's all about that leverage and whether you can you know, find space, whether you can um, create the separation and you don't need speed. Some guys do need speed to do that, but some guys don't. I mean, you kind of look at like the, the JSN highlight is that the Penn state catch and run, right? Um, he, uh, you know, wins off the line, uh, shakes the guy off the line, safety coming down, takes a bad angle uh, and he completely moves past him. And then he gets caught from behind, but still like a 60 yard catch and run, which is, is fine. Uh, could it have been a couple more yards with a little more long speed to you know, score a touchdown? Sure, but like we're not going to knock the guy for that. It like he has so many traits uh, that are going to, yeah, I think, instantly be be translatable to an NFL offense. Um, and then you kind of just go back to the production. So I put together, uh, you know, target yards added every year, which is just what a wide receiver kind of adds to his offense. What quarterbacks average when they throw to the receiver, so just yards per target stacked against what the quarterback does when throwing to anyone else. And the Ohio State offense in 2021 averaged 6.03 more yards per play when they threw to Jackson Smith and Jigba than when the offense threw to anyone else. And that was the offense that included Garrett Wilson, that included Chris Olave. Six more yards per play to JSN. That's insane. Um, and so when you know, the highly rated receivers are also highly rated in that type of metric, that, that's a great thing. 4.4 yards per route run that year. Um, that, that's insane. This is a guy who, who knows how to, has the nuance of the receiver position that's just going to translate. So yeah, this is, it feels like a very easy wide receiver one. And I think more people are kind of coming around to that. Um, as we get, you know, further along in the process and people kind of go back to the 2021, cause I think it was a little, you know, out of sight, out of mind a little bit in 2022 when he wasn't playing. Um, but just what he's been able to do and how it translates to a modern NFL offense, I think is just, it's kind of a no brainer here. Yeah. I think the rest of the class gets a lot more interesting, you know, after him. Yeah. It, so it's, it's a lot more, you know, it, take your pick of, of what you need, right. Especially because all of these guys right now. It's a lot of size questions. Uh, I but think that's can... something that's going on. I think we talked about it too last year and I brought yeah. it up for a number of years. Like, I don't know if this, this is just an ongoing trend, but like receivers are, are smaller and leaner, right? Like it's, it's just, it's, it's been going on for multiple years. Like, it, you know, once in a while we get an AJ Brown, we get a DK Metcalf, right? Like guys that are like built out of Mount, Mount Olympus. Uh, you know, we had Drake London last year, but you look at even like the last five years, there's been what 21 first round wide receivers, uh, 13 of them been under 200 pounds. Like it's, it's, it's just trending in that direction. You know, we had Devonte Smith a couple years ago where people were like, he's going to be the outlier of outliers, but like these guys just keep trending smaller and smaller and smaller and leaner and more versatile. And I don't think that's a coincidence. Yeah. It just kind of seems like it's, it's just the way uh, things are, things are trending and, and it's going to, and we it, have like, Waddle, it, you know, even guys like Garrett, like Garrett Wilson was 183 at the combine. Like, I mean, he was awesome. Like, it's just, we're trending like the, 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 the prototypical, like 
wide receiver one the like the the arc the old archetype i think that it's been grained and in, in indoctrinating a lot of people's head. i think that that's just like uh, that's stale for today's nfl it's great if you can get it don't get me wrong like the nfl will always still glom on to a guy that checks every box right but like the you know even like cd lamb right like you know uh the, another guy like sub 200 pound guy just versatile you know basically wins in the in the slot can win outside but you win after the catch you win with release you win with separation now in the nfl that's what's important yeah so let's let's get into the guy who is oh, right now for grinding the mocks uh is mocked as wide receiver two and he's the one guy with size in this class but doesn't necessarily play that way. And that's a Quentin Johnson of TCU. Yeah. He is the body type that you would think would be that, that big X guy, but he's not a guy who wins with his size. He plays even, like he one of these smaller than, receivers. Even he was smaller than people assumed he was. He was listed at six, four. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, he, he does have, have that bigger body, but again, kind of, plays a little bit smaller than that wasn't a great contested catch guy and i'm not totally sure if you know i care about contested catch because in in an ideal world you're not even throwing many contested catches because the guy's just getting open um so but you know obviously there are guys like that where there's you know the the mike williams is of the world but he quentin johnson is not going to be that guy he's you know slightly shorter targets uh, a lot of yards after the catch you know again he was productive in um in that tcu offense uh you know 3.43 yards per route run last year 2.86 uh you know target yards added which you know is are good things and targeted on 31% uh, of his routes last year. So it's, it's one of those things where it, it's a, it's just a weird physical profile because you want the big guy in this class to play as that bigger wide receiver, but he kind of, you know, plays like one of the smaller ones. Yeah. And I think we had this in the draft a little bit too, at trail on Burks a little bit last year, you yeah. know, uh, you know, a lot of people question how much of his production was manufactured. It was all, you know, yards after the catch. Quentin Johnson doesn't have that super low a dot and he's not living off screens, but he is a guy that's, you know, a, a tackle breaker, right? Like he's great after the catch. Uh, he was second in this class in enforced missed tackles among all wide receivers. 50% of his, you know, career yards came after the catch that's sixth in this class. Uh, but yeah, contested catches eight of 23 last year in career in the red zone, two of his 18 red zone targets were converted for touchdowns. Um, just, you just, you just like a, the, the best of Quentin Johnson's really good. You just like a little more consistency. Uh, he's a guy that would ghost a little bit. Some of that was due to quarterback play prior to this year. Uh, but he's a guy that he went, he was sub 50 yards in half of his career games at TCU. The last time we seen him, he had three receiving yards in the Georgia game. I'm always yeah. someone, I generally love guys that punch up in college, right? Like when the, when the, these big game moments, right? Like big game players uh, and, you know, him, him exiting his career at three yards, one catcher, three yards against like the best competition he faced all year. Definitely isn't like a, a great endorsement for that ceiling, but there is like some glimpses here where like the, the ceiling is like that Terrell Owens type of profile, right? Because Terrell Owens obviously went to, you know, he was smaller school, but he has, he had inconsistency issues like his whole NFL career, right? Like drops and putting stuff down. But like with the football in his hands, he's just bigger and faster than a lot of guys. And Quentin Johnson has some of that to him. Uh, so, I mean, him being kind of the one guy of these top guys that is 6'2", is 208 pounds, uh, jumped out of the gym at the combine like teams are just inherently going to stock that versus other players in this class 
yeah, it it's just interesting because you just kind of have to, you know, figure out, you know, what he is and, and how you're going to use him a little bit. The thing that does concern me is, you know, he, that the size is not used to win very often, not even the, the contested catches. Uh, you kind of, you know, press him a little bit, play man coverage. And, and again, it's, it's hard to focus on, you know, the man coverage because it's, you know, used so much less often than, you know, it, it used to be, you know, so much more zone uh, in the league now. But if you look um, with Sports Info Solutions on their draft site, uh, had Quentin Johnson in 2021 with a 38% success rate against man coverage. In 2022, that was also a 38% success rate. It went up to 59% uh, against zone. So again, you're going to be seeing a lot more zone coverage uh, in the league. So knowing how to work against that is obviously a very good thing. Um, but if you're kind of struggling against man, especially at that size, when like that's kind of what the calling card is over the rest of this draft class, that, that's a hard thing for me, I think. So uh, he probably wouldn't be my wide receiver too if, if I was ranking them and I was putting together, um, you know, a team and looking at what I would like at, at wide receiver. Um, so that that's kind of my hang up there where like I kind of want a little more with that size. And again, like if he had, that he probably is like that top five type of guy, right? So like that's kind of where the, the hang up is a little bit of why he is kind of this back part of the of the first round or even you know wide receiver two um, in this class. If, if he did have that you know great stuff against you know man coverage and was able to use that size, he'd be the number one wide receiver in this class. You know, no questions asked. I think. Yeah, like I said, the NFL still can't help themselves when they get it all. When you check all the boxes, they're going to be all in. Like when you are that big and fast, like they're going to. They're going to check it, but he came in a little bit slower at the pro day. Doesn't can't, like I said, the inconsistencies and in playing down a little bit to some of these other guys. Um, yeah. I mean, he's not my wide receiver too, either. I have Jordan Addison, number two. Uh, he's the guy we talked about last year with Kenny Pickett. Like I remember when we talked about Kenny Pickett last year, we were just like, every time you and I both talked about Kenny Pickett, we were just like, well, man, Jordan Addison's really good. Uh, yeah. Jordan, you, Jordan <laughs> Addison got Kenny Pickett into the first round. Like yeah. there's just, there's no way around that. He absolutely did. Uh, especially when like I was going back and reading some of the things I wrote about, um, you know, Kenny Pickett last year and looking at Jordan Addison um, at, at Pitt and like 50% of, or I think it was 54% of Kenny Pickett's like deep production was to Jordan Addison. It was like non-existent if he wasn't throwing to Jordan Addison. And so we'll get into him because he would be my wide receiver too. Also, I just, he just, he's one of these guys that has that nuance of the position and you can, you can see it at Pitt. Obviously he was a one, the, uh, he was named the best wide receiver in the country. Um, that year at Pitt and it transfers to USC It battles some injuries a little bit, but still when you look at like a per play basis was still so good at USC. And I think that's, that's a, that's a positive for Jordan Addison where again, he was playing with Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams. But when you're able to, you know, jump from an one offense being productive to another offense being productive, uh, I, I think that that helps a lot. And I think that can show, you know, what he can do to translate uh, into the NFL. And you look at what he did, you know, uh, this past year, still 3.04 yards per route run, which is one of the better uh, rates uh, among the receivers in this class. So he's one of those guys, he's 
he's a lot smaller than, you know, you would like for a guy who can win outside. Um, but I still think he can do it. He's one of those guys. He has a, a great release off the line. He, he has the, those nuances of the ways to, to get open and, and sell the route. So that, that's one of the reasons I'm very high on Jordan Addison. Um, just because like he, he gets how to play wide receiver. And I'm not sure there's like a, a position where that's kind of more important, where there's those nuances of route running are, are really the key to how good you're going to be. Um, going forward, especially in this group when there's not like a, you know, a crazy outlier in, you know, either athleticism or, or anything like that. So yeah, man, he's just, he's just good at the position, which I think like we, you don't have to overthink that at all. Yeah. I mean, we, we will still, because of the size of course. people will still do it. But like I said, to me, like as I progressed and have and worked in this, in this space, uh, uh, you know, now for over a decade, like I, I have just no, I've noticed this trend for multiple years. Like these, I don't really knock the, the weight. The weight's not like a thing for me as much anymore. Um, maybe for ceiling perspective, you look at just, like I said, look at all the guys that are right around this weight that have been productive that Jahan Dotson was 178 last year at the, you know, at the combine, he went 16th overall and was, uh, you know, finished the season strong. We draw about Waddle, Garrett Wilson, uh, Devonte Smith, you know, all these guys, you know, Marquise Brown was 166 at the combine. Um, I, I mean, I'm not really like getting, looking at that 173. I'm looking at the body of work and I'm looking at in 2021, he's a guy that basically played 68% in the slot was effective inside and out last year. He plays 75% of his routes outside and he's still six in this class in yards per route run. He torched man coverage, uh, again, you know, you, you, we talk about, you know, guys success versus man versus zone. And they're going to face a lot more zone in the NFL, but I still want my guys at the college level roasting man coverage. I right. want them destroying man coverage. And he, he destroyed man coverage. Like you said, he's just a guy I see, like he's got a very high floor. He understands he can play multiple positions in an offense. Uh, just feel really strong about what I'm getting in Jordan Addison. He's another guy. I'm just not going to overthink it. When I look at that 173. That's yeah, that sure that he doesn't check every box because of that, but literally everything else on top of that is really strong from a profile stance. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, people kind of overthought the, you know, his 40 a little bit because it wasn't, you know, super fast, but that, that's not how he wins either. Right. He, he doesn't have to be that type of guy. You know, he can win in the short area, can win uh, in the intermediate area. And I think like that's where he's going to work. Um, you know, yeah, you, you go back to what he did uh, against uh, man coverage. In, in 2020, as a freshman, 58% success rate. In 2021, uh, his breakout year, 66% success rate. Last year at USC, 59% success rate uh, against man coverage. So th these are all just, you know, when, when you're winning like that, and he's great against zone too, because he's w one of those guys who just kind of understands the leverage and everything. And another one of those. So, yeah, it's just, I, I think he... It's just going to be good. Again, he just he just gets it. So I think you know you can be a little concerned about the size if you if you want to. Like he's not the guy you, he's going to look physically imposing on the outside. Um, uh, but again, there's so many things. Like was good as a true freshman. Um, it was the best wide receiver in the country as a sophomore. Uh, was still good in, in a different offense as a junior. Again, it's just like it that that you know, track record of production, I think it is, it is good. Um, I mean, good, yeah. good players in the NFL typically were good players in college. Yeah. That's usually, <laughs> usually how it happens. So let's, so 
I think the the more interesting size question is the guy who's you know currently sitting at, at wide receiver four, um, and that's Dave Flowers from Boston College. Uh, that is a, a much smaller guy, but again, at Boston College was played in the slot um, in the outside, uh, but you know it is another one of these guys that's you know sub one eighty. Um, you know, on on the shorter side, um, he he is interesting in a sense because he is one of these guys that really like the target yards added part of it, like really puts into perspective of like the heavy lifting he had to do on this offense. So Zay Flowers, when Boston College was not throwing to him, the offense averaged six point zero five yards per attempt on uh, it was 8.49 uh, when they threw to him so that was his yards per target so that's like a nearly a two and a half yard difference so that uh 6.05 mark was one of the lowest uh in uh this draft class it was actually the the third lowest only charlie jones of purdue and michael jefferson of louisiana were lower so he was he was the offense which i think is kind of something you have to put in perspective uh when you're kind of looking at that how he graded out and he still had a lot of production when he was really the only option to throw to. Yeah. Zay Flowers is interesting because in another year, he'd be basically just like a, like a locked in second rounder and like the class is kind of pushing him up. Uh, So that's where, you you know, some people, you start to hear some of the stuff like that where you choose to be glass half full, glass half empty. Um, He is a guy that is from a size perspective, like the catch radius stuff is, is kind of concerning. He's got 29 and a half inch arms. He's got second percentile catch radius uh, of all players that have been drafted since 2000. Um, it's not a huge issue. He does make contested catches in this offense. And also like Jahan Dotson last year, this is, this dude played with some horrible quarterbacks. Like, Oh my goodness. Yeah, like it was just not good. littered with just bad quarterback play uh, his entire career at Boston college. Um, but yeah, that's where you kind of just like try to pick, like, what do you massage, right? Like how much better could have been with good quarterback play? Uh, how much better could he be if he was bigger, right? Like there's all these things you try to massage along with him. He was a guy that wasn't good against man coverage either. Like out of all these guys we've talked about so far, like he's by far like one of the worst, uh, you know, he was 44th in yards per outrun against man coverage last year out of the 50 wide receivers that went to the combine eviscerated zone. Uh, so it could be fine. Like he could be, I, I see him very much as like a, a Tyler Lockett-ish type player, like more of like a, uh, like a big play slot guy. Um, but, and he also got, he did benefit too from as bad as that offense was like, because they were so bad, they ran a ton of plays. Uh, like, like he ran, he ran a hundred more routes than, than Jalen Hyatt did like who ran like the most routes of like all the guys that can make the top six of like the wide receivers in this class. So he did get the, his counting stats did benefit from how bad Boston college was as well, because they just ran so many plays uh, compared to the other guys here too, that were more, had more efficiency. Um, yeah. I, I'm interesting. He's not a guy I would like love to take in the first round. I think he's more of like a, but the class is going to push him up inherently just because it's not as strong. Once we clear the first three guys we talk about. Yeah, it's it's also one of those things where kind of when you look at the production, like you're right. Uh, again, it's 37% positive play rate against man. Uh, like you said, like that's kind of potentially an issue w- with that size, but the 52% against zone. So he, he's kind of got that there. Um, 
but the the other thing is, is some of that man coverage is because the quarterback play was bad. So just sixty percent of Flowers targets against man coverage were charted as catchable um, from Sports Info Solutions this year. So like there there wasn't a lot he could do, um, you know, to to win against man sometimes. So uh, when you kind of look at that, uh, you know, one of the the best in this class when you get the ball in his hands. Um, but again, like you kind of have to figure out how you're doing that. Is that it, does he kind of get relegated to like some gadget role to start uh, when you're trying to like figure out how to get the ball in, in his hands? And I can see like some teams are, are trying to, you know, to figure that out. Um, it's also like a, a double move merchant. Um it was just, you know, that's that's how he got open. Uh, I think that's a, going to be a little harder to do uh, at the NFL level. Um, you're not going to have corners who will, you know, be either overmatched or bite quite as often um, at that. So, like, if, if you're not getting your hands on him uh, at the line, he would just double move you. He, um, you know, he, I think, led college football in uh, yards off of double moves. So, that's you know another area where he's not winning like straight off the line uh but again it kind of uses the agility a little bit in the route which which is good but yeah it's it's a tough thing like could he be like a, a brandon cooks a type of you know mm-hmm. outside guy like that maybe that's how you're you know hoping um you know i i had their athletic profiles uh put together in the, the target yards added piece um you know Betty Cooks ran a four three three and Flowers ran a four four two. Uh, but if you look, uh, Flowers had a faster ten yard split. Their twenty yard splits were the same. Uh, so Cooks has that you know extra gear at the in the flying twenty. Um, at the end, you know Flowers gets off the line a, a little better. So it's just kind of you know one of those things where you you do it we're finding this in this class where you are going to have to know the role of where you're putting these guys in. And that's kind of where these teams are going to have, you know, different rankings of these guys of what roles they need to fill. Uh, because I think there are a lot of just specific type of roles for, for the guys in this class. Yeah. I think this, and when we talk about the running backs too, this, this wider receiver class and this running back class, there's definitely talent here. And especially for the archetypes, right? It's, it's, yeah. it's a very archetype, class for both running backs and wide receivers like do you need a guy to play this role oh yeah there's a guy for that right uh and that's what i see yeah with basically the rest of almost all these guys actually like not even just the guys we, we've talked about but basically all of these guys so landing spot initial landing spot matter obviously there's some fluidity in the nfl you know coaching staff changes quarterback changes stuff like that but uh yeah we're going to talk about a few a few of these guys and the running backs especially where it's like you got, you want to hone in and put these guys in the most optimal you know position to play and have them run the the routes the route tree of the, the best suits to maximize their potential yeah um yeah absolutely so which doesn't always happen unfortunately in the nfl you think it would happen a lot more but uh yeah coaching <laughs> yeah that's just kind of one of those things that i think we're, we're seeing some of that you know, translate a, a little more, but yeah, it's still just trying to have, have a plan for, it or, yes. for all of these guys. Um, so those, those are the four guys who are currently projected to be in uh, the first round. And there was that thing going around from, you know, what was it? Jim Nagy who said he's, you know, been calling around and, you know, a lot of teams don't have, all the first round grades, but that also like we go in every year where teams are like, we only have 16 first round grades. So yeah. it's like, and you and I guys are still needs. 
and like I'm doing offense more than you are, but like I haven't even done a team yet that doesn't that couldn't need wide receiver help right, right. now. So yeah, yeah there, so there's <laughs> there's there's the disconnect there between uh, teams don't have these wide receivers graded in the first round, but like again, we always hear oh, we only have 16 first round grades, but like there's still going to be 31 first round picks this year. Um, so probably some of these wide receivers get bumped up. So yeah, I think it's, this class is a it, lot it, like it's not saying two different things necessarily. Yeah. Right. I look at this class a lot like 2019 where, you know, everyone, that was the year, you know, Marquise Brown and Neil Carey were the only first round picks and everyone was kind of like, ah, the top of this class isn't that good. But that class literally was filled with gems that got, you know, huge extensions this past off season. You know, you had AJ Brown, you had Terry McLaurin, you had Deontay Johnson, uh, all the, all those hits in that draft class, uh, still happened. Uh, so I think that this class, because the league-wide need is just too strong. Like the, These guys are going to get playing time as rookies. Even if you don't like certain things that they don't do, these guys are going to play because the NFL needs them to play. Yeah. Whereas the running back will be, when we get to running backs, it'll be a little bit different because there's more, there's a surplus of more viable candidates to play the position than there are jobs. Whereas the wide receiver, it's the inverse. You may not love the talent of this wide receiver class, but these dudes are all getting jobs out of the gate. Yeah, I mean, we we were just talking about the the Ravens to start, and like the wide receivers, uh, those guys are are playing. Um, like there were there were stretches where Demarcus Robinson was the wide receiver one. Like you get these types yes. of guys who who are going to play. So, um, I mean, you know, even good I, teams like you look at like the Bengals, you're like, well, they've got three great receivers. Well, they had they've had guys miss t- Tyler Boyd and T Higgins, and Jamar Chase. They all miss time, and the, the offense. We're getting we're getting Trent Taylor snaps right toward the, yeah. the Trent end Irwin. Of, yeah, know, they're they're giving tangible snaps to Trent Irwin. Like, look at what happened to the Rams. Like, there's just all this stuff. Like, the, the NFL need the three wide receivers and more are on the field more than ever in the NFL, and not most teams even run three deep, let alone two deep, and let alone four deep when you start accounting for injuries and stuff. Uh, yeah, these guys are going to be on the field. Yeah. Um, so. As we've run through uh, the, the first round, guys, is there anyone who uh, will stand out to you as either you know a day two or a, or a later round guy um, that that popped for you uh, that you're the, the kind of looking at, especially when you know we see so many guys. maybe a discount? So yeah. Uh, I mean, listen, you can take dealer's choice. Uh, I mean, I think Josh Downs is just like a typical like great like slot guy. Uh, Marvin Mims is a guy that's very intriguing. Trey Palmer from Nebraska, I think could be like a arbitrage version of what you're getting from Zay Flowers. Uh, there's, there's a lot of guys, uh, you know, if you just need a big body, Cedric Tillman, uh, Puka Nakua, I'm interested in a lot. I, mean, I don't know how much, uh, you know, BYU take Jaden Reed from Michigan. State. There's a lot of flavors here that like, cause I'm more of an optimist. I want to focus on what these guys do well. And I'm like, yeah, you get these guys, uh, in the right spot. I could see this happening. Yeah, you uh, you hit uh, my two uh, top guys are Marvin Mims from Oklahoma and Trent uh, Trey Palmer from Nebraska. Um, uh, Mims is just a guy who's he consistently wins just all the time. You know, one of those deep threats, like he's I think is closer to Jalen Hyatt uh, from Tennessee than like a lot of people are going to be giving him credit for, and probably you know much closer than whatever is the difference they're going to be drafted. Um, you know, Mims is a, you know, a shorter guy, but, it, you know, has some bulk and win on the outside. Um, has, again, one in a, a couple of different offenses. Uh, was one of the best deep threats uh, in the league last year. Averages like 20 yards per reception. Um, 
you know, it, it, one of the knocks on him is, is the route tree, but I don't think that's watching him run routes. I think they will translate to other routes because he just did wasn't asked to do. And he said that at the combine. He's like, my route tree is what it is because that's what I was asked to do. It's not that I, I don't have the ability to do that. And you kind of like look at what he, the way he runs routes and, and kind of has that feel uh, of how to get open. And, and he has the deep speed. So he's like w- just one of these guys that I think is going to be uh, a really good pick in, you know, the, the second or, or third round. Um, he's one of those guys that kind of, they came on the scene early too, um, has gone through, you know, the, the Spencer Rattler version of, uh, of Oklahoma. He was in the, the Caleb Williams version. He was uh, last year in the, um, uh, what what's the guy's name last year? Dalen Gabriel uh, in that version of the offense. And it's kind of been productive in, in all of those. Um, and then uh, Trey Palmer's real interesting. Former five-star recruit, went to LSU, um, you know, started as a, a part returner in his freshman year, couldn't really get on the field as a wide receiver because of, you know, how stacked some of those receiver rooms were. Um, then ends up uh, transferring to Nebraska last year. And it's just like, it completely takes over that offense. That offense absolutely ran through him um, last year. You kind of look at, you know, what he was doing. 3.3 yards per route run had a 32.8% target share, which uh, was one of the highest uh, for this draft class targeted on 35% uh, of his routes. And he's another guy who has that deep speed. It was one of the best uh, receivers in the league on post routes uh, last year. So he's a guy who kind of wins all over the place. You know, we like those guys who have been, you know, kick, and punt returners because that's kind of a, a ability uh, and movement and agility that can translate uh, going forward. So I think when, when you're looking at uh, another guy who can you know win in multiple areas of the field and it's going to be kind of a discounted version of maybe something you're looking at in either you know the, the first or second round. Um, yeah, those are two guys I, that you know really jumped off the page for me. Yeah, and both both guys are young. I mean, Mims is the third youngest wide receiver in the class to be a 21-year-old rookie, which we always like as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, so we, we like that. I mean, he's he's kind of, he's smaller than Gabe Davis, but has some Gabe Davis to him. Uh, and I think it's maybe why we like him a little bit, uh, you know, come, coming out. And listen, say what you're Gabe Davis is a successful draft pick where he was taken. Uh, you can you can throw shade or whatever you want. He didn't make the jump that you expected last year, but definitely a successful draft pick where he's taken. Uh, yeah. And I feel like just like a lot of these guys where they're going to go on day two in the, you know, the, the back of the second round, early third round, I feel a lot more comfortable with these guys at that price range than I probably do with some of the guys like after JSN and Addison, like where yeah. they go, like where flowers goes, where Jalen Hyatt goes, potentially where Josh, even Josh down goes as much as I do kind of like him. Uh, and, and Quentin Johnson, like I like these guys at their price a lot more because uh, you can put these guys in a role instead of having to say like, well, we're going to throw these guys into a real spot to like where they're going to be like major contributors to our offense. And they may not be right out of the gates. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where we see how the grades in this class go. It's not so much going to be the, you know, the, the Smith and Jigba's, the, the Quentin Johnson's, um, and the Addisons that are affected, it's going to be, you know, probably the uh, Josh Downs and Jalen Hyatt might fall a little more than expected right now. They're, you know, projected to be the wide receiver five and six uh, of this class. But instead of them sneaking into the back half of the first round or going early in the second, we might see some teams wait a little bit because there are, you know, discounted versions of them later on uh, in the draft. So I think that's where these, these grades and we see some of the, the team, 
you know, depth at, at this position kind of impact where these guys go. It's not so much going to be like the, the top three guys, I don't think. Um, yeah, if you do need, uh, you know, uh, the, the throwback, like prototypical X or like just vertical targets, like this class has those guys that are good in those roles, even if that's kind of maybe like they're where they stand out. I mean, you've got guys like A.T. Perry and Jonathan Mingo, uh, Matt Landers, you brought Michael Jefferson, J- you know, Jason Brownlee, uh, Tyler Scott from Cincinnati. Like if you do need a vertical yep. guy that can like win over the top, like this class has those guys and they're in there and they're in bigger packages too. It's just, they don't offer maybe the nuance uh, for today's NFL that like gives them like, you know, a, a super high, like fantasy ceiling or they're These aren't guys that are going to catch like 90 balls. Right. Like, but right. can definitely be in that like ancillary role can stretch the field, have more, you know, on field value than counting stat value. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's a ton of, you know, value in this draft, there are going to be guys who are going to see the field um, and be good at the roles they're asked to do. It's just, it's going to be, you know, the, the wide receiver three or four, uh, it's, you know, type of role. Not a lot of guys who are going to be that uh, wide receiver one, you know, you're maybe getting the, you know, the, the wide receiver two or, you know, a one B maybe at the top of this class. So and that kind of, you know, shapes how we feel about this class when we kind of talk about the talent or when, you know, the, the general public is talking about it. So yeah, there are a, a lot of guys to like, and I think we are going to find like more gems in, mm-hmm. you know, the, the day two and, and day three, uh, then maybe like, or the class is really given credit for right now. Cause I think you know, people are kind of down on the class just because of what is, is at the top. And I think that's different. Um, quickly they hit some tight ends because I think that is a interesting juxtaposition a little bit of how we're viewing these wide receivers because the pass catching talent in this tight end class, it probably as a whole, it might be one of the better tight end classes like we've seen in a long time. So I think some of these guys and, you know, we've seen some, you know, the dangers of a, a first round tight end uh, or drafting those guys early, because this is usually, you know, the type of position that takes a, a few years to get going. But I think if you're looking at, there's not a lot of top end talent at wide receiver, you're still getting that type of production from some of these tight ends. Uh, and, and we'll see that a little bit and you're kind of getting it at, at a cheaper rate too. Like we've kind of talked about this with all the extensions given out to tight ends. And Travis Kelsey is not getting, he's getting top of the market tight end money. It's still not top of the market wide receiver money. Same thing with the George Kittle extension. We're, we're getting these. If you can get some of these guys who are going to be good in the passing game, uh, you're kind of, even if you are using a first or, or a high second round pick on these guys, kind of down the line, that's getting you cheaper production uh, when, if you're looking for an alternative to get some of this pass game production. And I think we're, we're going to see that from some of these tight ends because, you know, there is some, some pass catching prowess uh, with some of these guys. Yeah, it's a great tight end class, arguably the best I've covered since I've been doing it. The only question is like, yeah, how quickly do these guys produce at the NFL? Because that's yeah. been kind of like the one bugaboo. The learning curve at the tight end position is as bad as every position outside of quarterback, really. Like it, it takes multiple years for these guys to play because typically these guys have been great pass catchers in college. But the nuance of the position at the NFL is much different, you know, in terms of, you know, assignments and what they're asked to do. So even if you're investing in first round, like the history of first round pick tight ends has not gone well. Like 
in the last you know decade, the decade plus. Uh, that's the only kind of like one shade. But from a talent perspective, and like from you projecting like everything you laid out, yeah, this is it. Like this, you can get these guys in this class if it all works out. Uh, you know, Michael Mayer, I think a lot like is Michael Mayer is a lot like Jordan Addison. Like people like he's not a great athlete, like on the tape, like dudes that are bad at football, like don't have the production he had. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like, so, I mean, I don't, I, I would, I would, I love for him to just be like this, this dude, that's just like a, a an all world athlete. Sure. Check all the boxes, but it's hard for me to say a guy that was as productive as Michael Mayer was and is only 21 years old. Like, is bad at football right like that the, there's too much evidence that he's good at football yeah uh when you get you know nine nine touchdowns uh last year um you know and, and the way he's he's used a little bit is a way he could potentially be used uh at the nfl level uh you know 62 percent of his snaps in line 27 percent uh, in the slot uh just under nine percent out wide uh, using the backfield on about two and a half percent of his snaps. So there's there's a lot of versatility there that is just if you're kind of looking for that all around uh, type guy like and that's I think like where he is and leading this class in yards per route run 2.75 yards per route run again like th this is a thing where that that's production that that matters and again you know, like if you don't have that coming out of you know the, the wide receivers um you know, if you can still get that type of stuff from tight end, I think we're, we're starting to see that uh, a little bit. And I think that's where, you know, the, um, the shift is going to happen with, I think there are going to be some more tight ends, uh, you know, taken higher uh, in this class than we've seen, even with some of the, you know, the pitfalls of the early tight ends that we've seen, you know, over the past couple of years. But again, like you look at, you know, Kyle Pitts was still really good his, his first year, right? Um, there was a lot of things that went into, last year's uh atlanta falcons offense um that we might not have liked um but yeah there, there's a lot of kind of pickier you know style here too uh because you have the you know michael Mayer is a little more of a traditional guy you have dalton kincaid from utah who you know you don't want to say Travis Kelsey when you're using a comp because that's a, a very high comp. Uh, but again, like he's, you know, 54% of his snaps uh, were inside. He was, you know, 38% um, in the slot and, and a lot of production just is a smooth guy. Um, you know, Darnell Washington's kind of fun because the big blocking tight end who can still in the limited routes he ran uh, was still very good. So there's, there's a lot of, a lot of, um, Oh, we saw last year with Johnny here. Woods. Like, if you have like that much size and athleticism, like you're you're gonna get picked like really highly uh, at the position. And he had more production than Jelani Woods too. So Darnell Washington is is definitely going to be high on people's draft boards. He's gonna probably go higher than people, uh, you know, maybe even assume he'll go. Yeah, I I think we're we're just gonna see that Darnell Washington is not going to be Sam Laporta is my favorite dude, like for sure. Uh, an absolute demon, like, and it's just uh, the, the Iowa way, man. They're just pumping these guys out, but uh, especially because he played in just that uh, we talk about Zay Flowers playing with bad quarterbacks or bad passing offense. Like, Sam Laporta played in an offense that threw seven passing touchdowns last year, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, obviously not great. So, 
he's one of these guys like really fun after the catch. Um, you know, 57% of his yards came after the catch and that was with the, you know, a 7.4 yard a dot. So it not, but they would line him out. ISO as wide receiver basically, and let him, uh, let him win. He was their passing offense. It was, it was all run through him. Fourteen point five percent of his snaps last year were were out wide, which was the highest of this uh, tight end class. Which and you you don't necessarily think that of a you know Iowa uh, tight end, um, but to also have he, he the, ran thirty three um, more routes uh, than any tight end in his class against man coverage as well. Uh, yeah, and he, he had the highest yards per out run in this class against man coverage. So I mean, yeah, he's he's a guy I'm definitely he's a little bit undersized for where you would want for like your prototypical tight end, but like. Uh, uh, he's a guy definitely, I think it's going to be a, a supreme value because I don't think he'll go as high as Kincaid or Washington. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we'll, you kind of, you know, go down through you know, some of those guys who are going to go in, you know, the, the second or third rounds, um, you know, Tucker craft from South Dakota state mm-hmm. is, is a fun one. Uh, a guy who was more traditionally in line, did not run a lot of routes. There were some injuries also, you know, playing at South Dakota state. Um, but uh, only a 5.7 yard a dot but just a monster after the catch uh 67 of his yards after the catch um his 0.4 like you know, broken tackles per reception which uh is crazy against like 70 percent of his snaps were in line um he was about 18 percent in the slot so there is a lot of versatility for these guys even the guys who you know play a more traditional you know tight end role in the more you know the more condensed offenses um there there are a lot of uh, it, it, there's a lot of uh, talent here. And I think this is where teams were, are going to try to find that the workarounds for receiving production. And I think that kind of shifts to tight ends, at least, you know, early in the draft. So I think we, we might see more tight ends go in the first round than we do wide receivers. And that's not crazy to think. Um, if you look at, you know, if a Darnell Washington does, you know, slide into the back part of the first round, then you have, um, you have Michael Mayer, you have Dalton Kincaid, you know, you can see at, at least three of these guys go. And, uh, I, I don't think that's a terrible, uh, investment, especially when you're, you can, you can, I think more now plug and play some of these guys, if you're, you know, figuring out, you know, that, that type of role. Cause I think we're, we're seeing tight end open up a little more in the NFL. So it used to be, you're playing very different. And then in the, um, you know, the, the, the runway to figuring out what the, the NFL role would be. Um, yeah, there was, you know, a, a long grace period. And we kind of still see that a little bit with, you know, some of those guys, even like the 2017 class. They're coming out with some good tight ends. Most of them are doing better work for their second team uh, right now. So it's, it is it is a gamble, but I think we've kind of figured out some of that a little bit more. So I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, teams take some more shots at tight end, especially given this class, given the wide receivers. Um, so I think, you know, how we view these two position classes, it kind of work together. And I think bumping up those tight ends even more. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a good, a good class. I think that the, the production from this class will be a lot better. I think that's assumed from a talent perspective, just because the opportunity at tight end and wide receiver in the NFL is such a league wide need that uh, we're going to get a lot of these guys thrown into roles and opportunity uh, that exceeds maybe what their perceived talent level is. And if that perceived talent level was a miss and they hit these guys in the ceilings, 
we're going to have a lot of production. We're going to find those gems. And those are the guys you get on contractual leverage, right? Like hitting on your day two wide receivers, hitting on your day two tight ends. Like you're going to get, that's where you get your big contractual leverage uh, as an organization. Yeah. And that's one of those, it's again, I think one of the most important pieces is just like trying to get good players. Again, like that's <laughs> like as easy as like that, that is to say, I think we, we do, I think, kind of overthink some of like what contractual leverage is going to be like six years down the road. Um, it doesn't always matter uh, because some of these guys aren't, you know, you're not going to be in a, you're going to be in a different spot. Well, where you're not in a position to play. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's, yeah, yeah. That's what you got to worry about. So um, in, uh, in NFL news, uh, Jeff Akuda just got traded to the Falcons for a fifth round pick. Which is interesting. Doesn't have to. There wasn't a lot of room for him in in Detroit now, uh, based on what they brought in. Uh, he had a, a very up and down season last year. That was kind of you know they talked about as one of his better seasons. Um, so yeah, we started the year off what, well and then kind of trickled. And then it, yeah, and then it kind of got got worse. So here we go. Still uh, still got some NFL moves uh, that are happening as we uh, get through this. So. Uh, again, you can be reading. I think I think I'm gonna write about this tight end class because uh, it, it does seem fun. So that'll be up on Sharp Football Analysis at some point. Maybe we're we're running through team needs uh, right now, uh, team by team. The uh, Rich and I are, are going through some of those, writing up the offense, writing up defense, uh, just kind of going through the the depth charts and seeing what uh, what is uh there and what is needed uh for a lot of these and there there are a lot of needs for for some of these teams uh there there are not a lot of complete teams at, at this time of year um so you can be reading all of those on sharpfootballanalysis.com again we have uh ryan mccrystal is doing mock drafts with brandon donahue doing mock drafts you can find those uh up on the site ryan just uh updated uh mock draft on Monday, he's also got a, a top 50 up uh, right now uh, with all of his evaluations on, on these guys that, that he likes. Um, what else we got? We got, we got plenty of stuff. Just head over to sharpfootballanalysis.com. There's plenty of uh, a draft and, and still a whole bunch of content uh, heading up there. So that'll do it for this episode. You can find Rich on Twitter at Lord Reeves. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again soon.